I'm Cindy Boxer, and you are listening to the Fiber Artist Podcast, where we chat with artists, makers, and creatives who work with fiber, get to know their stories, how they came upon their fiber practice, and more about the person behind the work. Discounts. Who doesn't love a good discount? Well, here's mine as a thank you for being a Fiber Artist Podcast listener. You get 25% off at naromastudio.com, where we have the best selection of colors and highest quality rope and weaving fibers. And we just dropped an eco-friendly bamboo macrame string and some new felted yarns. Check it out. You can get 25% off by using the code PODSQUAD for a limited time. And thank you for tuning into the Fiber Artist Podcast today. I'm very honored to have this next guest on, the Dallas-based artist Nosheen Iqbal, a visionary who works with fiber and wood to create modern, sort of mid-century inspired works. I personally just love her work, and when I discovered her on Instagram, I had to reach out and find out more. We talk about her creative journey and a lot about the business side of selling art and networking with the right channels. If you're someone who finds uh, the business side a little bit challenging, I'm hoping that our conversation will help demystify some of it. She's a wealth of information, and I'm so grateful she shared so much during our conversation. Nosheen recently completed a huge commission for uh, Virgin Voyages cruise ship, so we chat a bit about that. And when you're done listening to this episode, hop over to her Instagram and check out the video she did with Indie Walls that's on her feed. You can see a little bit of the Virgin Voyages installation. It's really cool. You can find Nosheen on Instagram at Noshi and online at Noshi.com. That's N-O-S-H-I-I.com. All right. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Noshi. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Good. Good. How's it going? Good, pretty good. Thanks for joining me this morning. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I uh, Actually, before we start and get into anything, and just so you know, I'm already recording. I like record right after that. Um, okay. <laughs> um, if you can just sort of um, introduce yourself and let everybody know where they can find you online. Of course. Um, my name is Nosheen Iqbal, and I'm based in Richardson, Texas, which is about 20 minutes away from Dallas. Um, and you can find me at uh, Noshi, N-O-S-H-I-I, on Instagram. That's my handle. And then um, on my website, Noshi.com, oh. which is the same, N-O-S-H-I-I. Okay, awesome. Oh, you're in Richardson. Where? What? Um, is that like west or east, north or south of Dallas? It's north. North? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, I'm kind of northeast Okay. So, like, is that by, um, like, Flower Mound and Denton? No. Sort of? Um, that is kind of going towards Denton. Um, yeah, a little bit towards it. Denton's quite a bit far away. Okay. An hour and a half. I went to school in Denton. Oh, you <laughs> so. did? The reason I ask is because we came really close to moving to the Dallas area in June. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were under contract for a house in Rock uh, near Rockwall. Um, okay. Yeah, it was Which like... Is, Rockwall is very close to where I live. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, yeah, so the, my husband went down. We were like under contract for a house and he went down um, to like meet the inspector. I mean, we got so close. We were... Yeah. Um, and then at the last minute, we just decided because uh, the house had a homeowners association, as so many of the houses down there have, and yeah. because I run the business out of my home, I was just I was I got afraid that they would because it was a pretty strict one too. Like they fine you for weeds, and you oh, have wow. to get all the colors approved. Um, like if you want to paint your door or like paint your shutters or yeah. anything. So it was very strict, and I was like, what if they get mad that I have trucks coming in and out? 
Um, or even if I wanted to like have a warehouse sale one day, because they said they said in the bylaws that you are allowed to run a business as long as you don't have like customers. <laughs> so, okay. you know, like so they don't want like barbershops and things like that at run, yeah. run out of the house, which I understand. But and I don't it, know. It's funny because the HOA, I mean, the bylaws seem so strict up front. But as you're living, I mean, we've lived in our house for 10 years and we had the same sort of restrictions and a lot of places do. But I mean, we started construction on our backyard and we didn't put in like approval for it. And then they came over and they're like, oh, just send in this document or, you know, so it's not as, it's not as that, it's not as bad as. that's good I know you just never know though like I I have heard horror stories like there was um when we were going through this process I was just sharing my story with like some local friends and um they were saying that like one person's sister or mom or something they were dealing with an HOA in Arizona and they had put up like string lights in their backyard and apparently that wasn't allowed or so even in the backyard they were trying to um you know oversee all of that so I just got scared I was like god what if one day they're just like you know what we change your minds you really can't run your business out of here and I was like oh I don't know babe like I don't so anyway we decided we're gonna keep looking but we have to find a place with no HOA yeah yeah that's tough yeah um so how long have you been in the Texas area I think you're I think I read from your profile you're you were born in London yeah, I was born in London. Um, I moved here when I was 14. So it's it's been a few decades <laughs> since I've been in Texas. Um, but we've pretty much been in the Richardson area ever since high school. And I moved to, I moved here in uh, during high school. Okay. So um, yeah, it's it's almost I was talking to somebody about it. And I, I guess it's I've spent like two thirds of my life in the US now. Yeah, you're more American now than <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, my accent kind of comes and goes as well, so. Well, I don't hear any Texan in there. There's not much of a Southern. I think the combination of the Southern British accent might be really interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I get get asked if I'm um, Australian a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, I guess that's sort of to be expected. Um, And do you ever go back to London? Do you still have family there? um, So I have, my parents live, in Texas, they're just down the street, and uh, but I have a lot of family members still in still in the UK. Okay. Um, I used to go back every year, and um, I feel like once once I got married, it kind of and had kids, it kind of staggered out a little bit. But I was able to go back, and luckily, um, where I was working at the time, um, I used to travel for work quite a bit, so I could make a, a little stopover in the UK before I came back to Dallas. So that was. The perks of corporate. <laughs> for sure. What kind of corporate job was it? Um, so I was a watch designer for Fossil. Uh, cool. And I used to design watches for DKNY as well. Oh, and I was a uh, studio, or, or sorry, a photography art director as well uh, at, at the beginning of my career. Okay, so. very nice. So what did you go to school for? For graphic design. Okay, so uh, you've always, oh, I can definitely see, I can see that in your work now for sure. Yeah. I went to UNT. Uh, I majored in communication design. Um, I did take a lot of textile courses, screen printing courses, any sort of studio course that I could get my hands on that was art related. But um, graphic design at the time was really my calling and that was something that I wanted to do. And I was able to get an internship at Fossil while I was still at um UNT as well. Oh, very so. cool. So when you came out of school, did you already have a position with them lined up? 
Um, I actually had a position two weeks before I graduated with them. So I one of the lucky ones. I was one of the lucky ones to have have a um, a job in you know such an amazing place right out of uh, right out of school. So yeah, for sure. So did you know as you were growing up that you? I mean, I I have to assume you had this inclination toward artistic endeavors. Um, and when you were applying, was it a specific, uh, is it an art program? Um, so it's a graphic design program at school. So, so it's funny because, um, I, I, I've always loved art, you know, I've doodled, I've painted, but it was always seen as a hobby. It wasn't something that I was going to make a career out of. And when I moved to, um, Texas, I didn't take any art classes in high school. Like the last two years I had over here, I think I took one ceramics class and it was only because I wanted to make pots and that was it and have a whole bunch of pots around my house. But um, um, I didn't think about going to school for design until I think uh, I started taking some courses and then I was like, wait, you know, I can I can make design a, a career. And um, at the time, and it was also persuading my parents because we're mm-hmm. selling, you know, design and art but um I flipped through the yellow pages at the time which I don't think yellow pages exist now but and I just put my finger down on a printing services um you know company and I called them up and I said hey I want to learn the industry and this was right out of high school I was like I want to learn the industry and um I'll work for free I don't have any experience I just want to check it out so it was a very small service bureau. They hired me on. Uh, within a month, they started, they said, we're going to pay you. Like, you do a lot of work around here, let's pay you. So I did stuff from, um, I was doing match prints, making um, screens, you know, all the above. And that's where I, I learned a lot of the Adobe software. Uh-huh. And then from that, I was uh, like, okay, you know, this this is, um, a career path that I really want to take. So then I transferred to UNT. They had a really strict design program. You have to submit a portfolio. You have to get accepted into the program. At the time, there were about 250 kids that um, applied and only 40 got in. Mm. Uh, oh, no, sorry, 80 got in. And within the program, they have like review, um, mid-year reviews, and then um, exit reviews. Okay. So it was pretty sick, but I mean, the, the teachers, the professors are amazing. I learned so much along the way. Uh, it's a really great um, program. God, I think that's uh, so amazing that you knew so early, like while you were in high school, to have to take the initiative to contact yeah. this company. I'm, how did, I'm so curious, like, especially when you're at that age, how, you know, like I didn't even, at that age, I didn't even know graphic design like was a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's because I grew up in Michigan yeah. and just and my immediate uh, circle, I guess, with my family, because, you know, they're Korean was just like there. That was not an option. It was just not a thing that I knew existed it was like design or graphic design yeah. or even anything, even in fashion. I just didn't think about it. You know what I mean? I never saw it as an option. I and- you know, you're not the only one. I, I didn't know about it. When I went to, when I was studying in the UK, um, we have what's called GCSEs, which is like a two-year um, course in, in high school. And um, you have to choose 10 subjects to um, focus on. And so two of those subjects was art, and I also took a design technology class. 
And I remember a project that I worked on and there was like an open house for the kids to bring their parents in. And one of my friend's mothers actually said to me, have you thought about graphic designers career? And I was like, I don't know what that is. So she, she started explaining to me, you know, you design logo, logos, you can do editorial design. And that really piqued my interest. And I feel like if I, if she hadn't told me about it, and the course that I was taking at school, I wouldn't have known about graphic design. And, you know, the how far-reached graphic design is. Yeah, it's so, yeah. It's so important. And, you know, just selling products and marketing and so. Totally. I mean, thank God for that mom who would – because even just yeah. the suggestion of something and it, like, stays in your head a little bit. That's so cool. We all need someone like that in our lives. Yeah. And it makes me realize I need to continue – like, I need to – constantly introduce my kids to new new ways of doing things new and new it was that affirmation and exactly if you we don't expose those things to our kids like i see my kids growing up my eldest is um 10 um you know there's so much scope out there in different careers now that we just weren't aware of i know and especially now with the internet it's like yeah. multiplying with the types of well it's, you can't stay ignorant. You have to know. And there's no excuse not to know now. So <laughs> I know. And it feels so hard. I don't know about you, but for me, I feel so overwhelmed by it all that I'm just, I feel like I'm constantly just pulling the wool over my eyes and sh and putting my hands over my ears and kind of trying to shut it out because it's too much. Yeah. Like I feel it's, guilty that I'm not learning more, you know? Well, it, it's hard to focus on what you need to focus. And you're right. It's, there's just so much stimuli out there now. It's, yeah, yeah. Right. And just too many options. Like there's too many social media options. You know, like I'm not on TikTok and I am all I'm constantly feeling sort of guilty that I'm not using that for the business. And yeah. um, I mean, just so many things. But um, wait, oh, so I'm not on Facebook. Oh, I'm you're not on Facebook, but I'm dormant. And so, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's fine. I think I mean, Facebook is also I don't know. It's also it become its own weird beast, you know, yeah. that, that I don't think even as an artist, you just you you necessarily need anymore you know I think yeah. it's good for if you're a local business or something like that but um wait so tell me so you mentioned you're South Asian I'm South Asian um my parents well uh, my background is from Pakistan okay. um my mom moved to the UK when she was five and my dad moved when he was 20 um so um very young when they moved to the UK um, and then my husband's also Pakistani, so you know we still we still maintain maintain those South Asian roots, and we're very very much in, invested in our culture. So that's wonderful. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you get out of college and you uh, take a job with Fossil, and you're working as a watch designer. How long did that last? And then um, take me to the point of where you sort of become more. Uh, more drawn toward working with fiber and um, and the current re rendition of what you're working with now. So it's funny because when I was at Fossil, as um, when I was in the art direction department in the branding department, I started to already dabble with embroidery, I, and I used to embroider when I was younger. I was. Oh, hold on one second. You're breaking up. As uh... I Sorry, one second, one second. You, I might have to ask you to repeat that. Oh, one there you go. <laughs> um, okay, keep going. Um, so while I was at Fossil, um, I started playing around with 
embroidery and it was something that I already did when I, and I just um I was watching I guess I was following a couple of people that were doing embroidery and I was like okay you know this is something that I want to revisit um and so I was doing a lot of set design and um styling so and I work with a lot of backgrounds as well and that was when I became really interested in how I can figure out how to take embroidery to the next level. And um, so I started working on little art pieces. At the, at the time I was drilling, I was using a hand drill. I was drilling through one inch thick wood, which is ridiculous now that I think about it. And um, I was using wood, you know, I wasn't well versed in woods. So I was using wood, I used ash, which is, you know, baseball bats are made out of ash. So it was, it's one of the hardest woods. And I was breaking my bits and it was just a mess. But my first set of works I produced on these really thick pieces of wood, all hand drilled. And I got a lot of traction from it. And I was, um, um, I did a window installation for Hermes. Oh, wow. And that was, and that was back in 2010. So this is like some time back. And, um, I did the window installation. I was like, you know, I, I love doing this. I think this is, you know, people are, people are reaching out to me. People are wanting commissions. So it was very, very small. I was doing it whenever I had time. Um, at that time, I also had my first child. So it was working full time, loving what I did. And all my time was invested in my full time position. And then this was a side hustle. But passion project and then I had a newborn so I I put the embroidery stuff on hold and I would whenever I had time it was on the it became a hobby um now and again I would get commissions and then I really started to push it when I um as I became a watch designer I became involved in working with a lot more materials a lot more finishes and that's when I started to play around with different types of materials for my embroidery work um, it wasn't until about 2014 when I really tried to push push this um, into more of a, I don't know, shape it more into like a business. Um, and as I was working more, I started getting bigger commissions. And then finally in 2015, I quit my job at Boston. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to start freelancing. I'm going to start consulting and um, I'll I'll keep pushing my embroidery work. And then um, it wasn't until two years ago that I really evolved it into what it is right now. Um, I became a little bit more picky about the materials that I was using, how I was, the process that I was creating, the techniques that I was using. I really refined what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I have to say like last year was, the turning point for me where I was like, okay, this is something that I want to stick to. I want to make it into a full-time thing. Um, Cause you're always going back on back and forth on thinking, you know, is this a sustainable, can I make a sustainable living out of this? And I, I have a lot of friends who are, are in the same position and they're doing really well. And uh, in talking to them and the advice that they're giving me, it's like, you know, you should just go for it. And, um, and, and, as I was working, I was getting commissions from private collectors, but then I started getting a lot more commissions from hospitality teams, art advisories. So that was really where, you know, I saw the value of my work and yeah. the time I needed to put into it. And I and I think another thing 
as I was working on it, you know, 10 years back, I wasn't giving myself enough time, enough studio time to really develop ideas and kind of hone those out. So now, you know, now I make sure I get that studio time in where I can kind of play, pull inspiration, really think about my designs now, think about these colors, the shapes, the compositions. Right. So um, let's, can we go back to where you made your first uh, like embroidery on wood piece? This is really early, right? Um, I'm, I'm wondering, was there a moment where you, I don't know, where you had like that Eureka moment where you're like, I want to do it on wood. Like, can you remember that? And what, what um, took you there? So I, I remember stitching on a lot of paper. Like I had paper everywhere. I was putting it through my machine. Um, I was using my mom's machine at the time. And I just remember like I would just, you know, burn that machine out. And then um, I, I think I took some of my influences from furniture design, mm-hmm. especially mid-century modern design where they're using the roping and they're using these woods and the beautiful connection that it's making. So I think that's what really sparked like, okay, you know, I need to figure out a way to create something that's a little bit more unexpected. Um but still, you know, pleasing. I didn't want it to be some forced kind of vintage looking piece um, because it can easily become very crafty looking. Right. And and that's, I feel like when you look at my work then to what it is now, you can really see like the progression of where it could have been a little bit crafty and it kind of turned into a little bit more, you know. Like fine art. Fun. Yeah. 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 Um. And then in 2015, when you decided to quit your full-time job, what sort of went into that? I know, I know for me, my husband put me on, he, I mean, he said, he didn't put me on uh, restriction, but he said, just think about it really hard and try to make sure that you can replace your salary. So I didn't yeah. quit until I was able to. So I'm wondering what yeah. were the thoughts that went through your head as you were approaching that decision? So, you know, it's funny when you say that because you're, so working full-time, you're so used to this bi-weekly paycheck coming in. And, you know, as a freelancer or, you know, an artist, you don't, it's like bulk. Yeah. Like you wait months and then you get this bulk, you know. Um, but I try to do that. I try to wait for that, you know, my art, what I'm making for my artwork has to replace my salary. And it just wasn't, it, it wasn't, I was... I was at a point in my career as a designer and I had got to a creative uh, d- director position by then. So it's very hard to replace that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was another thing. One of my friends was like, okay, I didn't make, I didn't make it when she made the switch. She was like, okay, you have to give yourself a year because I was complaining about not having enough studio time and uh, because I was working a nine to five. So I had to get out of that nine to five, but to give myself enough, time to kind of build it um so it was almost like I had to take that you know leap of faith and be like okay I can I can make this happen and and I think that's why I was still holding on to a little bit of freelance work and a little bit consulting Mm -hmm. um consultant projects that were coming up you know and I was openly taking them and so it was giving me more time to work on my artwork um but yeah it that first year was a lot of it was very stressful. <laughs> well, of course. And, and at that point, how many kids do you have now? I have three. Three kids. Okay. And yeah. how old are they? 
They are um, 10, 8, and 3. Oh, you have a little, little one. <laughs> and it's a boy. Oh, so nice. you know? <laughs> Oh, is that your only boy? So girl, girl, boy? Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah. So then you've been, ha- for, for the past 10 years, you've also been um, having kids and having to balance um, your studio time and yeah. and motherhood and all of that. How do you, how do you do that? Um, I don't. <laughs> no, um, I think so. Two of my kids do go to school. Uh, my three-year-old is at home with me, and he's. Um, I feel like he he lets me get work done. I mean, I'm I'm lucky. He does like to be engaged all the time. He's very chatty. It's great. I love having him. He's my little, um, my little fan club. But. Um, I, I just have to delegate my time through the day. Like if I need to get studio time, I drop off the kids early in the morning and I have to, now my morning ritual is to go for a walk for about four to five minutes and I have an amazing part next to me. And then I come home and I really crank out studio studio work for the next couple of hours before he really gets engaged into wanting to, you know, wanting mama playtime and all of that. So I think there's this, Every day is different for me. I try to keep it um, structured. Um, you know, I don't work. I work seven days a week now. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I know. Hard, it's, it's hard to put it into, you know, five days a week. And and, and my husband's like, I thought you would have had more time. And I'm like, no, no, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, if anything, less time because your work is growing and more people are aware of it. And, I, yeah. you know, I'm sure it as it grows, it if anything, it, it just gets harder to balance all of that. Yeah. And, you know, the admin work, the email, <sighs> emails that are coming through, the things that as artists we hate, um, but we have to do, um, you know, hopefully I can outsource that. But yeah, <laughs> I have somebody on part time. Oh, that's good. For, just for the admin work or do they help you in the studio? Oh, I haven't hired anyone yet, but I would like to. Oh, <laughs> So this is a, yes, hope for the future, hopefully the yeah. near future that you can do that. That, you know, that's yeah. one of the hardest parts I find. Um, and I held back for so long just because I just, I'm not good at delegating. I mean, I'll be honest, every position I've ever had, like I only managed someone once when I like I was, when I was at my corporate job, like I got to a level where I was managing one person. Um, so I don't know. I just don't have like delegation skills I think or like boss skills because I don't yeah I I tend to want to befriend everyone who's around me so that's difficult yeah like drawing that boundary really yeah you need to create that boundary and um you know I when I when I started managing people that was something that I I figured out I I wish I'd figured that out quicker than I did (laughs) but just gaining that respect of you know, your employees and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's hard to delegate stuff. And, you know, I want to have control over everything that I do. And I want to make sure, you know, emails are going out to in a specific voice. And um, so still, I I think right now, having that connection with a lot of the clients that I have, I feel like it still needs to be me. Um, So we'll see. I don't, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully soon in the near future, you know, I have faith, you will, it's gonna happen. Um, so you were recently in the other art fair uh, in Dallas. Yeah. Can you tell me about that experience? And was this your first year doing it? 
this was my first year doing it. Um, they're ama amazing. Um, they're presented by Saatchi Art and they're pretty, you know, renowned worldwide. Um, Dallas was, this was the second show that they did in Dallas. So Dallas is a new city for them. And um, yeah, I was very excited about doing this show. And, you know, after the p pandemic, I, hadn't, I haven't done any shows for the past two years. Mm -hmm. So th it was nice to have this show kind of under my belt and getting back into, um, you know, you no longer were interfacing with any of your clients or any of cust potential customers. And I think um, it was really good to see how many artists that came out and how many people that came out that really appreciate artwork. And I think it was, the, the, I'm in Dallas, they have a lot of craft fairs, but they don't have that many art, art fairs. fairs. Yeah. Um, we have the Dallas Art Fair, which is an amazing event that happens every year. Um, but at the, I feel like at the consumer level, there isn't an art fair that's, that's at the level as the, the, the other art fair presented. Right. right. Um, yeah. But it was, it was over four days. Um, I shared a booth with a macrame artist. She's amazing. And so our booth was just the, it was the fibers booth. And we were the only fibers artist in the show. Oh, wow. Which was really surprising. It was really surprising. There was a lot of photography, painting. Um, there was some sculpture. There was another fiber art. Well, she does embroidery on um, photographs. Um, oh, wow. Her work was amazing too. Um, Who was the but, yeah. artist you shared the booth with? Christina Elia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I knew her. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Um, and she, um, uh, uh, I, I feel like the way our booth was laid out, we have very distinct styles. Her, her style is very, uh, I wouldn't say haphazard, but it's, since mine is so like thought out a little bit more refined it's very structured and it's geometric structured. Yeah. yeah and hers is the opposite so you could really see a contrast between our two styles which is great and I you know I loved having her as my booth mate um but um that there, there was a lot of traffic and a lot of people came and we had I had a lot of good conversations with people viewing my work and this is the first, a lot of people that see my work on Instagram and they would come to the show and it's so different seeing it in person. And um, it was just great to see, get that feedback and have that conversation with them. Um, but yeah, I was, I was sad that it was, it ended, but hopefully they, they will do another show in the spring. Um, and I hope to enter that one too. That's great. So what, um, so did you, do you have to submit your work to get approved to, Get the booth? Is that what it is? Yeah, you submit it. It's a curated show, and we there were about 130 artists. Um, there were artists from Austin. Um, there are a few that flew in. A few that did shows that were from different the other art fair, but different cities. So it's almost like some of the artists were kind of traveling to the show. Mm -hmm. So I think the last one that they did, did you go to the Brooklyn show? I didn't. They will have the, yeah. Yeah. They... they they did a Brooklyn show. They did no. They did the London show uh, prior to the Dallas show. Okay. Um, and they will they will be doing one in Melbourne and Sydney, awesome. um, Toronto or something. Yeah, there are. Um, I like because of the pandemic, I haven't even been really paying attention on to like what yeah. is going on with the art fairs because New York has 
so many, right? I mean, yeah. we've yeah. got the Armory show and Art, Art Basel, which I don't think has been in New York for a while because the main location is Miami um, and yeah. obviously like Switzerland, I think. But um, yeah, no, there are so many. I think like at a certain point when I was working in the arts and this is like 2010, um, this is like 2005 to 2015, basically, it was like, I mean, they just kept growing with the satellite fairs. It was like Scope, um, Pulse, uh, the Affordable Art Fair. Um, I mean, there were so many. So like even now, I'm just like, what happened? Like yeah. during, during the pandemic, does that mean they were all not happening? And then I think they're starting to pick up now, um, yeah. which, is, which is so great. But now that I live like an hour away, I find myself – not being very I'm very I'm like not being as um proactive in terms of like going out and seeing what's out there which is terrible I I really should <laughs> go see but um it, it I, I feel like after these past two years it's almost we've got so used to being at home and we really need to be pushed out the door like it, it's taken me it's taking me a little bit of time to kind of get out there and see what's what's going on in the world but um yeah and because there is so much going on in Brooklyn, it's hard. To, I bet it's hard to choose which one you should go to. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, how was the pandemic for you? I, you said that you really took that time to sort of um, figure out your vision for your work, which is so mm -hmm. awesome. How was it in terms of, um, I mean, finding time to create? And were your kids home all the time, or did they go to school? What What was happening in Texas? In Texas. Uh I was actually, during the pandemic, I was in my element. I was at home, I was able to create, and it was, you know, my kids were creating with me. Um, they were, school, we were schooling virtually um, through half of the year. I sent them back at the latter, latter end of um, last year. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, I, fa I found a way to kind of balance the kids and finding time for my artwork. And I feel like that kind of set up how I balance it now. Um, and I, I was able to, cause I didn't have a, the pressure of so many commissions. Um, I was able to create stuff for myself and, and kind of play around, kind of explore avenues I wanted to take. So I really, the last year I really saw, you know, how, like I took this creative journey and how it changed through from like January to December and I feel like I needed that time. Like some artists take out six months mm -hmm. and they're like, we're going to shut our doors. We're not going to talk to anybody. Just let us paint. And so I feel like that, that was me last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so cool. Your work is so beautiful. It's, it's funny because, um, you know, when I have, when I figure out like who I'm going to talk to on the podcast, it started out with a lot of people that I sort of already knew and um, we had chatted and DM before. But with you, it was like, I, I only discovered you sort of recently, which is crazy to me since you have been, I mean, I, I feel like you've been, probably been on Instagram as long as I have. I mean, probably longer. When did you, <laughs> when did you get um, on? I think I got on in 2014, but it was more like, if you look at my Instagram and I haven't deleted a lot of those pictures. Is like, it like just kids? And it slowly progresses into artwork. And I don't have the heart to delete any of those because I kind of like seeing, okay, you can really see where she was like kids. Yeah. I was making embroidered brooches. Um, and then it transitions into the artwork. So I kind of like seeing that progression. And I feel like whoever's following me can kind of see the journey that I took through my 
feed. Totally. Uh, I know a lot of people go back and they like delete everything that, you know, they don't want people to see. I can't do it. That but, would just break my heart. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that it's hard for me to kind of pick and choose what I want to do. Even some of my embroidery pictures, I'm like, I don't know if I ever want that to ever see the light of day. But um, yeah, I've kept them all. I've been on Instagram, but I wasn't active. I wasn't using social media as a tool until a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, I just, I just, I would put my artwork on there and see, you know, I let my friends see it and they would like it. And, you know, that was, you know, five, but based, probably in 2015 is when I really started to put um, pieces up on there okay. to get feedback. Uh, for the longest time, I did have my account private to you. And I'm like, I'm not getting any likes. And I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, wait, so when you did the Hermes um, uh, display, how did they find you? Because this is pretty uh, probably before you were on, on Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, when I was working at Fossil, um, I used to work with a lot of freelancers that we would hire. And Two of the guys that I was working with, um, they uh, used to do some of the set design for us. And his full-time, well, one of his bread and butter clients was Hermes. And he just, he saw some of my work and he was like, hey, you know what? I'll, I want to pitch you. I'll pitch you the, to them and you can make a window installation. And I was like, oh, and I was so naive. I was like, sure. And because um, I didn't think I was going to they were going to take me seriously and they did and they let me you know they trusted me <laughs> and they let me create this uh, piece for them and it was some like I used to do a lot of uh linear stitching which was it, it was just running stitch okay. and it's an equestrian piece that's on the screen um and and I, I really played with colors in the main so that was that was one of you know, color, color for me and my work is such a big part of it. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky. I was lucky to land that. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, so right now, are you mostly a, com a commission based business or are you um, able? I know like during the pandemic, you were able to create for yourself. How are how it's the like, um, how are you sort of balancing the two? Are you creating work that you just release on your own when you when you have pieces to to put out there? Or are you sort of taken out mostly uh, with commission work? Um, now, currently, I'm just doing commission work. Um, mm -hmm. Within the past six months, it's picked up where I haven't had time to put pieces online and keep being able to kind of replenish that. Um, people are reaching out to me on Instagram and they're you know commissioning um, pieces that I've already created. They may switch out colors. Um, so that it's that's been keeping keeping me pretty busy um and then there there are some people who will ask oh, when's your next shop update and there there isn't one there isn't one in <laughs> and i i just finished a project for virgin voyages um for the virgin atlantic cruise line oh cool that uh, went live i put a video on my stories i haven't put that on my feed yet um uh, but that I've been working on that since I want to say May. I worked on it in May. I finished it up two months from then. Um, they had a lot of approval. They have like a whole approval process. And they I bet. Um, but so yeah, was finally, it was it many pieces? Like, were you doing it for the rooms or like a main, like a main um, 
So the, the cruise line is called Scarlet Lady, and there's a Mediterranean restaurant um, called the Dock House. Okay. And I created 18 pieces for them, and it was in um, about 10 of the pieces, or 12 of the pieces are in the lobby section, which kind of splits between the restaurant and the bar. And then um, the rest of the pieces are in like a small nook where people can kind of lounge. Um, I think they take out some of the cushioning when they need to set up band that will play. Um, yeah. That was, That's so cool. That highlight of the year. <laughs> yeah. Is that the is that the biggest sort of commission you've done or um that is that is the biggest so far. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. And so I and I have a few more commissions like that um that are coming my way. So like the larger larger scale, yeah. larger in quantity. Yeah. Yeah. And um I'm working on a few for build outs as well. So I'm working with architects with elevations and seeing what um, pieces fit in the rooms. And, oh, that yeah. is so cool. It's yeah. like, even if I wanted to commission something from you, I'm like, you wouldn't have time to do it yet. <laughs> you really do need an, uh, you need a studio assistant so that they I can take care of some of the other ones. Yeah. yeah. And um, I do. So I squeeze in some commissions for friends here and there whenever I get time. Like, and I have a friend who's been asking for a commission for God knows when. And she's been, bless her, she's been so sweet and she's patient yeah. <laughs> about it. So, yeah. I know. That's the thing about your work. I mean, I can see it so beautifully installed. I mean, in so many places, just like it, I feel like it, I don't know. There's just something about it. I'm so drawn toward it. Um, um So what was I going to ask you? Oh, so with the other art fair, was was it a consumer show where people would go purchase pieces on the spot or was it more uh, industry-based where you were getting more hooked up with um, art advisories and um, and things like that? Or was it both? It, it was both. Um, so they had the first day that we opened, it was a private viewing and that was a higher ticket to get in. And that was when a lot of the advisories came in, a lot of the hospitality teams came in. Um, there were interior designers that came in too, and they would they would rush through the booths, and and you could tell that they were in the industry just the way they take in artwork. It's just mm. very it's very quick. They're like, okay, that those folks we want to follow up with. So I I made a lot of good contacts that way as well. Okay. Um, and then the last three days, that was more consumer based, where we had people come in. Um, they were bu buying artwork off of the off of the walls. They were commissioning commissioning pieces. Um, I actually already had a lot of follow ups from the other art show, um, so it's it's it it was really good exposure in in both arenas. I know. I almost wonder if it was too good for you. Like I, I just don't understand how you're managing all of that as a one person shop right now. And do you work only out of your home, or do you have a larger space that you work out of? Oh, it's only out of my home. And it's funny because I share my studio space with my husband, who's a mu musician. Oh, and wow. so we come on the fiber space. Um, no, I'd love to have a studio. I think um, that's one thing with, with having kids and being able to be home and, you know, see the kids and having my studio space as part of the house. I think that's that's something that, I want to stick with. I don't think I could have a studio somewhere else because I would just miss out on seeing my kids. Yeah. Um, 
you know. So. I mean, but Texas is full of those properties where you have like um, a garage, a uh, garage building, like an outbuilding. Yeah. That's yeah. like because that's the thing. That's what we've been searching for. Is like, yeah. um, you know, places where you can have a separate studio or uh, where uh, workshop. Yeah, uh, and eventually, um, hopefully, once if we move out of this house, um, we would look for a space that I could make a studio part of the house. That yeah. that's my that's my dream house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you're you make some very large scale pieces too, don't you? Um, the largest I've made is about forty eight by forty. Okay. And, okay. Um, right now, I have um, I have pieces leaning up all over my house. Like my dining room is part of my studio, and um, so I, I would love to go bigger. Um, there are some limitations to the way I create or the process that I use, um, and so I'm trying to I'm trying to overcome some of those things and figure out what the best way to fabricate some of those pieces are. Yeah. Um, no, I know because I could totally see your pieces going really, really big. There was one uh, triptych I was looking at on your um, on your Instagram that was like m- yeah. more, more organic than what you're um, right. than the pieces that you're currently doing. Um, are you are you sort of veering completely away from that sort of aesthetic? Um, yeah, I I kind of I kind of transitioned out of that. Um, I think about five years ago, that was where it really became, okay, you know, I, I want, I love that, um, distinct divide between some of the linear work that I do and how those lines kind of lay over some of the grain of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. I like how, how that's so contrasting. And so I feel like I wanted to, with those pieces that you saw, um, I was painting like the organic. Yeah, it was beautiful. And, and I still, I, I look back at that work and it's just different. It's like a different collection in my mind. It's, and I might bring that back in some pieces. I thought about doing like a section where it's just colored, almost like those colored rainforests, kind of painting it in, having a contrast of like that linear stitching. So we'll see. I might bring it back just because you mentioned it. Yeah, I hope you do. It really caught my eye. Um, I mean, I love, yeah. I love, love, love your geometric works. Um, but there was something about... I don't know. There was something about that one just with, yeah, with the organic flow of it all. It was, yeah. you know, it, it is quite different and it belongs in a separate sort of, definitely a diff, diff, separate collection. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was also equally as beautiful. And, and that was one inch thick uh, wood. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing with the, when I used to work on those pieces, because I was working with such thick wood and it was taking me forever to drill the pieces that I would, <laughs> when it would come time to, embroidering those pieces it was like okay now I have to embroider it so I feel like with the pieces that I can put a lot more embroidery on my work which is where my passion the color and the embroidery and the texture um I can focus a little bit more on that now yeah uh, with the way I'm making it so yeah um can we talk about color for a few minutes um I'm curious how uh how you work with your clients on that um do they usually have just like a set palette and you kind of have to go along with it, or how much input do you have to do that? Um, I I kind of go both ways. There's some some clients who absolutely trust me with the color. They'll they'll kind of what I like to ask is which colors do you hate, mm-hmm. so I know not to include those colors, um, and then I know you know the spectrum is my playground. But um, when I'm working with interior designers and hospitality clients, I um, ask them to 
send their deck, their style deck, and I try to figure out the color palette from what what their deck looks like. Uh, and then I pro propose a couple of color palettes to them. It's difficult because, um, you know, there are so many embroidery threads. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds, and I'm showing, I'm sending them a palette of five colors. Yeah. So I almost tell them, okay, these are my five colors, but I'm going to do some highs and lows between these that stay within this, you know, range. Um, and color, you know, with the embroidery thread, the way I embroider it, um, the color changes as I place the thread over other threads, the color kind of vibrates and changes. So it's, I haven't had a client tell me that it, they haven't liked the color palette, but um, it's, yeah, so that, that's kind of how I work. Um, and, and a lot of the clients that do purchase my work, they kind of realize that what my style looks like mm -hmm. and they respect us. And um, so I'm lucky that they've given me, you know, I guess artist license to yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Ha, yeah. Has have any of the clients put you in it? Like, um, like have you had to do anything that you're uncomfortable with, like color palettes, color palette wise? Um, a, there are a lot of clients who love. They'll tell me put some yellow in it, and then I'll tell them, well, the wood is yellow, and sometimes the color will get lost. So I'm just letting you know that it won't be as vibrant as you think it will be. So, um. When they ask me for colors, no, that's the only, I think that's the only um, ask that I've gotten that I've, I've said, okay, you know, I use less yellow. Mm -hmm. And this is not, I love using ochre in my work. I love using, um, but when it comes to those very light yellows, yeah, that just disappears in the work. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Unless I'm using, I started to use darker stains lately. So mm -hmm. that's something new that I'm working on. Um and and I love the way the colors pop on that. So the lighter colors. Nice. Um, and actually, have I have I seen a even a lighter stain like a bleached background or no? Um, no, I haven't done a bleached one yet. I think the lightest that I go, I use some um, birch, Baltic birch, mm -hmm. and so there's a stain. Some of those lighter ones are just the natural. I put a natural stain over the top of it. Okay. Um, so it's kind of true to the the natural wood. Very cool. No bleached yet. Not yet. Somehow I see it evolving into the future. That could be something you experiment with. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess if a client asks, like, so what is your, if, if so, if a client was like, you know what, my whole house is, um, you know, what is it? Um, what is that? Lime, lime finish where everything's sort of just like a bleached yeah. white. If someone was like, well, this is what my house looks like. And so I want the background to be this. Yeah. Is that something yeah. like, um, as an artist, is that something you would sort of try to fight or go along with or what would you say I would, um i wouldn't say no i would um try to i would test a few things out i think when clients come to me with uh, requests like that it's difficult because i haven't created anything like that before so it's almost like i have to create a sample and present it mm -hmm. to them for them to give me the approval which i i don't really do samples but I do like little color studies that I can send that I send to people. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I would be able to do. Um, I would just have to factor in the time of like, okay, let me test this out out before I can say yes. Yeah, yeah, no, you and you, uh, definitely. I mean, you would have to build that into, um, you know, how much you're charging and things like that. That's a, that's the hard part is because do, like 
you end up doing a lot of free work <laughs> um, yeah. if you do have to provide samples and do, yeah. go through variations and um, versions of things, you know, you yeah. be mindful of your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess before we end, um, I am curious when you were a kid and you decided you wanted to go into, um, you know, the art industry and be a creative. And you said you did have to convince your parents a little bit. How how did you go about approaching them? Or did they? Yeah. What was their reaction to all of this? Um, I, I think, you know, my parents didn't. I think when I when I told them that I wanted to get in the art industry, they're like, OK, she is artistically inclined. Um, they weren't gonna, you know, deny that, and I, so I think they they let me go ahead with it. Um, and when I got to university and I was in my program, and they saw, I, I feel like they saw how happy I was creating work um, in the program, and and they kind of just let me be. And I think they they tried to see, you know, can she figure it out? If she can figure it out by herself, we're fine. Um, they didn't really question too much. But I could tell that they're like, you know, there are probably other careers out there that you could, <laughs> you could have career paths that you could have taken that, you know, might have been a little bit more sustainable. But when they realized that, you know, I, I graduated and I graduated, um, once I graduated, I got a job quite easily. They're like, okay, you know, this is this is the real deal. This is something that you can do. I think if I had gone to school for fine arts and I had done you know, just kind of spiraled out of control. <laughs> they would have questioned that more. I yeah. think it's because I found a career that definitely had um, a stable income. Mm -hmm. There was, they did see that growth. Um, they were happy. Right. <laughs> and it was a corporate creative job with a um, corporate creative with a brand name that they were familiar with, which I'm sure gave them yeah. a lot of um, uh, yeah. relief. You know? Yeah. No, that, that did help. That did help. And, you know, I I don't think I love where I am right now. Um, I feel like that creative journey that I took, my background that I have, that all really paved the way for where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And I think all of those experiences that I had in both graphic design and product design, it's it's helped me along the way, and it's it's helped me figure out what my art today should look like. Um, and it's in it's that element of professionalism is there as well that, you know, I don't think I could have gained if I had gone straight into the, the art world. Right. Um, what do you find most challenging right now for you? Or what do you sort of worry about? Um, I think just making sure I balance home life with, you know, my art career. I think that's that's the biggest challenge I have right now. Um, and making sure that my kids, you know, I love inspiring. My kids are so inspired by what I do. And uh, I think they're, you know, they're my biggest fan club. And so, but it was just making, making sure I have enough time with them. Um, cause you know, building your business, you just don't have any time to do anything else. And wherever you, you know, I'm, I catch myself checking emails when I should be spending time with my kids. Uh -huh. So that's constantly then, looking at your phone. <laughs> that's me always yeah. on the phone. Yeah. yeah. And you know, my social life, I don't really have one. <laughs> I hear you. I don't either. <laughs> when you, I think, you know, having kids 
that's so young. And your kids are younger than mine, right? Uh, similar. Um, eight. One just turned eight, and the other one is nine and a half. Okay. Yeah. So they're still young. I mean, they're very moody. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, just watching them grow. I don't want to miss a moment of that. I know, I know, same here. And I think, I feel like I'm show. I don't know that I'm modeling the best behavior because, especially with the phone thing. Like I'm like, but my, I'm, I'm working, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm answering the email and they're like, when we can't yeah. have screens, you can't have screens. I'm like, yeah. It's like you're media. And I'm like, no, I'm working on social. No, 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 you're, you're scrolling through. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that's a challenge. And then making sure that, that you know, I get out and have enough, like social interaction with other adults. I think that's that's something that's a big miss for me. I feel like just, you know, even through the pandemic and I haven't quite, you know, got back into having that interaction with, you know, people yeah. my age. <laughs> I you know, I know, same here. And but I don't you know yeah. what? I don't miss it that much. I have to be honest. Yeah. Like I have the podcast, which allows me to connect yeah. with artists and um, and adults, which is wonderful. Yeah. Although I feel very rusty and like my conversational skills are not what I feel maybe they used to be. But um, but I don't know. You know, I don't. I really was happy in the p- pandemic, I, not having a like yeah. having an excuse not to have to go out and do things. You know. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm not pushing myself to go out there because I'm I'm quite content, you know. But it's the conversation skills. Like I feel like I'm using I've lost like my half of my vocabulary just to I no, I know. Talking to like eight year olds. I know, I hear you. And like, you know, the my first venture out I feel like was the kids starting sports again. Yeah. And like I'd be sitting in there with the other parents just feeling like so awkward. I'm like, I have literally yeah. nothing to talk about it's like how was your yeah. pandemic i don't know how was your pandemic and and like i mean what else i had and then it's people i have nothing in common with i'm sorry what yeah. did you say what did you bake yesterday it was you know a lot of <laughs> exactly i know what are you cooking these days? i mean it just but it feels so oh, it just feels so lame i i just i hate small talk so that kind of God, that kind of conversation just kills me i'm like can, i just yeah. rather be silent you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I, so I'm a very quiet person. I'm not, you know, that was another good thing about the other art fair that it really pushed me to have these conversations with people. Um, when usually, you know, I, I'm more than happy just to be sat there and just, you know, not talk to anybody, but you, you had, you know, you, you didn't really have a choice. Yeah. Um, and it was great because people were interacting with you and interested in your work, and this was with a lot of the artists that I was seeing, that that was one thing that I really enjoyed was being able to get out there and talk. Go back and when we were talking about um, conversations and interviews, so the interview that happened with Virgin Voyager, they came in and they videotaped me. She came in from Brooklyn. It was through Indie Walls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Brooklyn, so she had come in for another client and the social media person came, dropped by and we we're doing the interview and I was so rusty that it was just, my accent was all over the place. And I think there's a big mm in the middle and a emphasis on juxtaposition other than I'm talking about my way. It was just, you know, I listened to it once and I was like, okay, no more, no more. <laughs> oh no, no, see that's, you know what though? This is, that is one of the hardest things I think is to talk about the work. Like, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's a really tough thing. I think for all artists, you know, because especially, I don't know, and it, maybe it depends on the questions too, which sometimes it's hard for me to do, even for the podcast, is to ask specific yeah. questions about the work, which is why I focus a lot more on just the person behind making the work. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, let's Which I love because you never, you never hear about that. Like it's um, a lot of people, when they talk to me about my artwork, they don't know my history of how the journey that I took to get that. And a lot of, you know, I'm lucky because I had a creative corporate job, which a lot of my friends didn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they're like, why'd you quit? And I was like, I hated it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had my loves, but then, you know, it's corporate. Right. So, right. Now yeah. I know. Um, I answered your questions and didn't fade off too much. No, no, you were great. <laughs> really great. It's so funny that you're working with Indie Walls. I interviewed with them when I was like trying to oh, leave my, yeah, when I was trying to leave my PR yeah. job. Um, and I had just started my macrame business. I think it was, I mean, it must have been 2014 or so. And because, uh, yeah, they're in Brooklyn. I went over, um, I think they were in, uh, whatchamacallit, what are those co-working spaces? Anyway, um, yeah, no, I interviewed with them. I didn't get very far. I think I like screwed up the interview. I'm sure I like stuck my foot in my mouth or just was too nervous because I was so out of practice. Like I hadn't interviewed for a job yeah. in 10 years. So I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, um, what I've learned in, I mean, I didn't say this in our podcast, but um, I turned down a position it was a creative director position that I turned down because it was almost like if I take that position I cannot do this mm-hmm. and I would have to start and then you know in the past like I've been working on my artwork and you know I've kind of built that momentum and then all of a sudden I, I, I start getting design work and then I stop my artwork and you can you can see where I've abruptly I've either had a child or I've <laughs> You know, I've been promoted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I'm great. You're, no, I mean, it's so great that you're doing this full time, though, because it's obviously truly it, what you love. We did a co co op together. Oh wait, like a <laughs> like a studio co op? Um, it was it was called a mosaic makers where you sell your you sell your product in one space okay. and you work there as well as take a commission. They take a commission from your pieces. And they had reached out to me, and so I put my work there. But it was my work was kind of still between being more fine art art, and because I, I do these little air plant holders as well. I don't know if you saw them, but there I have like small product pieces, which I think I'm gonna just do away with. I don't know yet. All right, <laughs> I haven't seen um, them. I haven't seen them. I'm sure they're beautiful. It's, scroll through and you'll see. It. They're actually on my shop, but um, now and again I'll get like a little. Them, but I had, yeah, I'm very much into plants. I have a lot of plants right now. So. Yeah, it's crazy because with yeah. your with your style, I feel like I mean, there's so many different ways you could take it if you want to do like the crafty the craft end of it. Like there are like small yeah. pieces that you could be doing, and then like, you know, like Christmas ornaments and all these kinds of things. And then there's yeah. like the large scale art art pieces, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like you're one person. It's it, and then it's yeah, it's sometimes I'm like, okay, machine, you just need to choose a lane. Like, are you going to go product way or are you going to, but some people do both. And um, just between you and me, like it, I might be introducing rugs and I might, you know, so it's, I really want to get into the home decor. Oh my God. I hope you do. That sounds amazing. 
I had it was I was working on one piece and it was a lot of the macrame rope in green with some embroidery and somebody reached out and asked is this rug for sale and I was like it's not the rug <laughs> because it was in my stories and it was taken in an angle that I guess it looked bigger than it was um yeah no and I was like yeah. that's yeah. yeah I feel like that's like a message from the universe being like I know this is one direction to go that's a lot more admin work. <laughs> no, I know. But I can license it. We'll see. Yeah, no, that that would be see that's that's the goal. Licensing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Put it on somebody else. Just you know, reap in the royalties. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god, I hope that happens for you. I mean, I would absolutely yeah. buy a West Elm <laughs> no sheen rug. <laughs> I I hope so. I'm like, yeah. Uh, West Elm Design Within Reach. One of my friends is actually collaborating with Design Within Reach. Oh, nice! And, oh, that would be yeah. the perfect spot. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I think this year. I mean, it's funny because when we talk about me transitioning into this being full time, I feel like within the past weeks, it's been like, okay, this is full time. Like in my mind, I'm like, yes, this is a full time thing. Uh huh. And um, you know. I mean, and there's so many ways to take it for you. And it, even better that you have like the business connections for it. Because I think a lot of people, that is where they struggle. It's like understanding, yeah. even understanding the licensing aspect and, and things like yeah. that, um, which is awesome because yeah. I feel like it's it's so much more accessible for you. Yeah. You got to use mean, those connections. <laughs> and knowing, you know, being through the whole product development, product design, and, you know, knowing how product margins work and all, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, that, that helps. Yep. You got it. You're it's all um it's all there for you. It's awesome. I hope so. Fingers crossed, like, you know. And it, it's just funny how things line up. Like I had the other art fan, then I had uh Indie Walls actually approached me for another um project, which they're getting approved this week, I think. So hopefully there's another project in the in the wings. Oh yay, fun. Um yeah. Is any of this that we just shared not is this completely for off record? Um oh right now? Yeah. Um no. Yeah, you can you can put it on my phone. Okay. I mean I'll I might just um pick and choose some of the stories, but they're they're exciting and it's I think it's um yeah. it's cool to hear about the, the more businessy aspect too. Um, yeah. with yeah, just thinking about that kind and of stuff. You, you know, there there are things I've learned within the past year. Like it's I wish people had told me about it before, like the hospitality arena. If somebody had told me about that 10 years back, that, hey, you need to talk to these people, um, I, I probably would have quit my full-time job earlier than I did. Mm. Um, so, I mean, can you be specific? Like, to, to give anyone advice who wanted to get into this this part of the industry, what would you what would you advise them? Um. I would I would tell them to seek out interior designers, um, make friends with them, start a conversation, um, reach out to art advisories, um, see if they'll put you on rosters. Um, that's something that will quickly kind of get you a few projects. And I feel like once you get a few projects, they start rolling in. I, I actually no, I wouldn't say rolling in, but like you get more hits um, and. The interior design community, especially in Dallas, and I think you know all over the U.S., oh, it's, yeah. it's a tight. 
And you might not get projects right away. I mean, it might be six months down the road, but um, that, you know, even for me, I feel like I have more interior designers reaching out and saying, oh, you know, I have this project in four months. Would you be interested? We're pitching you. Um, and yeah, I think, and, and you can't, with social media, I was lucky because I had a few people reach out to me. Um, but you really need to work hard to, and it's, it's not about the algorithm or anything like, it's not about how much, how many images you have on your feed or how many follows you have. It's just reaching out to the right people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how I use social media is just to figure out who are those interior designers in my area and who might have the same sort of aesthetic as me, um, their clients that they work for and see what, what fits. And, and this, this advice was actually given to me by a furniture designer in Dallas, which, you know, it was the best advice he gave me. And he was absolutely open. Like I've spoken to people and they're like, Oh, I don't know. It just kind of happened. And I'm like, did it. <laughs> right now that you have to do a lot. You have to be proactive, right? So what would you yeah. do? Would you email them or would you DM them on Instagram or what, what do you feel like is the most effective way of to well, communicate? I feel like there's a whole etiquette to dealing with designers. And I think if they are, I've worked with smaller designers where they're a lot more approachable if you just DM them. Some design firms don't like you to DM them, or they might have somebody that's taking care of their social media. So um, they might give you a contact or an email, or sometimes I just say, hey, you know, I love the work your design firm produces. I would love to work with you. Um, I would love you to you know keep my artwork kind of in your roster and who do I reach out to is there an email that I can and so then you know I get their email that way and if it is them who if they're answering DM DM then they they'll just respond straight away nice. um, so I, I mean there's I've, I've learned that you know there some design firms don't like to be messaged through Instagram or they just you just won't hear from them right and then you have to follow um, email. So if you, when you are emailing, do you have, um, let's do, let's talk about like sort of the technical stuff. Do you uh, like attach a PDF with images of your work and the dimensions or how do you do it? Um, I attach a PDF of my work and see if they can, you know, once they've seen my work, they see that aesthetic, if that kind of clicks with what they're working on or any future projects, then I just tell them, Hey, reach out. And I, I give them a range. Like when I, send them an email and say, hey, you know, this is my limitation. These are the sizes I can work within and then pricing. But I do like a general price and general size. Okay. Um, yeah. I haven't got, you know, I would love to put a catalog together. I just haven't got there yet. Um, I know. It's the never-ending admin work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love designing catalogs, but I feel like I can't half-ass it. Like I need to sit there and do something, make something beautiful yeah. and like, yeah, that that will take like a whole month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To put together. So you want to do it in one in print that you can mail out? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. I would love to do that. But that would be more. I think in. Um, I wouldn't mail it out to everybody. It's just like a few, you know, bigger clients maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. I think this is I mean, so helpful for people. So thank oh, you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that there's no, yeah, there's, there's no, like, there's no easy way of figuring out how your business would work. And 
um, for different artists, it works a different way. Um, but yeah, once you, once you figure it out, and there's always, you know, it takes time. I think for artists, you just need to stick at it. And, um, it you know, it took me some time to get to where I am, but that was only because I just didn't invest time in myself and invest mm. money in myself. So right. Yeah, well, and you know, you I we have to consider the aesthetic, right? So, um, you know, if you are an artist working in certain with a certain style, and you try to reach out to an interior that's like it's completely a mismatch, like obviously, uh-huh, something. yeah, like maybe maybe don't waste your time with that. Like, really try yeah. to find your niche in terms right. of aesthetic. Yeah, 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 and um, even magazines. I mean, reach out to magazines, or you know, just to get some sort of exposure that you're going to, your artwork is going to be seen by people that really, really identify with that sort of those pieces. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Noshi. This is amazing. And then uh, your last name is pronounced Iqbal? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Thanks again. I will definitely be, you know, chatting with you again. And like on Instagram, I'll probably hit you up just to say hi here and there. Yeah. (laughs) And take a, take a look at the, um, that little indie walls video oh i will thank you so much um yeah and then i guess uh just to close it out where again can people find you um my instagram handle is at noshi n-o-s-h-i-i and my website is www.noshi.com okay awesome thanks so much yeah Yeah. thank you take care bye bye Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on neuromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple podcast to subscribe, rate and review. Thank you for listening.